All right, we're back. Oh, no, Quentin, <laughs> we didn't do the free talk about what we're going to call the show, but I did have a name idea. I'm just going to go with it. This week, okay. we are the <laughs> the new pillars at uh, NEW, because okay. uh, we have a special guest who just recently wrestled for uh, NEW. Uh, we are joined, once again, repeat repeat guest, probably the most common guest that we've had daniel makabe how are you doing tonight daniel uh, i'm doing well it's been i guess about half a year since i've been back that's kind of the thing i guess i come come by every so often uh but i always enjoy yeah. talking with you guys for way too long but uh uh it's just nice to have a, a catch-up now that wrestling's kind of uh going again here in the northwest and i'm able to wrestle like way more often like i've you know, the majority of my matches I've had this year have been in the last like month and a half. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm stoked to uh, be back and, and talk with you guys. So, yeah, which I mean, it makes sense because only within the past month or and a half or so uh, has it been really made sense for you to be wrestling uh, more. So uh, congratulations on being back on the pun in wrestling. Uh, Quentin, how are you doing tonight? All right. I haven't really done much today. Uh cooked watched some stuff no not a, not a ton but i'm excited, I'm excited to talk to dan it's always uh fun having him around he's right we usually go way too long when we talk to him but i think we're gonna avoid that problem this time ago this time around yeah and and i said you know dan dan is probably our most common guest that's because this podcast does not usually have guests super frequently in general let alone repeat guests and we normally don't just have you on just to randomly have you on um but this was going to be the SCI weekend, like big time overview podcast. That was why we initially scheduled it, but it's been so long that that's not going to be the main focus. We'll hit on it in a little bit. Um, one thing I did want to mention, I don't know if I mentioned it already on the podcast or if it was the week I was off or whatever, but recently um, a deathmatch Timothy Thatcher match has been uh, surfaced online. I don't know if I talked about oh, it. Oh but... yeah. I, for I forgot to watch that. So Timothy Thatcher in a Taipei death match, um, and this might be some good footage for you to review. Uh, I, I know Dan, exactly. I know exactly so happens, what you're going to say too. So yeah. it just so happens you're wrestling the man that Timothy Thatcher faces in the Taipei death match coming up here um, in a couple of days. So uh, yeah, uh, Dan, did you see the Taipei death match yet on YouTube? And uh, have you have you prepared? Uh, for what you got yourself into here with Big Ugly. I was going to say, yeah, let, let's uh, let the other shoe drop now. Yeah, Big Ugly of Northern California uh, fame uh, versus Tim Thatcher from, I don't even know how old the, the footage is, but... Uh, 2012, 2012, I'm pretty sure. That's wild, yeah. I, uh, I was recently uh, YouTubing Big Ugly matches, and I saw that come up near the top. Uh, I have not watched it yet, though. Have... have uh, have you watched it, Tim? Or yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something else, man. I mean, um, Thatcher is Thatcher. Obviously, this is early on. Uh, it's not. Uh, I'll say not his. Uh, <laughs> not his. You know, not the Thatcher you know now. But definitely, you can see some of the things that that make him who he is. Um, you know, his commitment, his uh, willingness to basically take some insane uh, punishment. He bleeds like you would not uh, understand. Like it was fucking nuts. Um, the story of the match is decent. The guy he's wrestling is more than willing to uh, inflict punishment upon him. So uh, it's a, uh, it's definitely a, a one to check out, especially if you're a big Thatcher fan. Um, seeing kind of the the proto 
Thatcher. Uh, he's still he's still doing the uh, the UK grappler gimmick, but he's kind of doesn't have the the fake accent, which is very funny. So he's kind of referencing the UK and, and calling people out. He even tries to write UK in blood on on himself, but he's still yelling at the fans in his normal voice. So that's kind of uh, interesting. Um, one thing that I did think about uh, with Thatcher and the UK thing um, was I, I talked about it when we were talking about like the best wrestlers of 2010s, how Thatcher is, was like the Forrest Gump of, of wrestling in like the weird way that he's been everywhere. Uh, the UK gimmick kind of goes into that because Thatcher was like one of the last guys who was able to do like a, a gimmick where you're pretending like you're a different, you know, you're a different culture uh, before it was kind of considered that that would not be like, you know, that's kind of tacky or, or, or tasteless. So even that goes into the thing of like the way that Thatcher has just kind of been part of everything and, and done everything in wrestling secretly under 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 the level. He's, he's the last person to get away with cultural appropriation on the independence. Is that before we were called, we started calling these people out? Is that what we're getting at? Or Basically, he's one of the last. Look, yeah. Look, I, I think I think Tim, I Tim, Tim, I want to stop here before we get like real deep into Tim Thatcher slack lore. So, like, yes, probably for the I don't, best. I don't yeah, to... I was gonna say, do <laughs> I, uh... hopefully no one considers you know me and and my choice of of fake last name as cultural appropriation, but ah, uh, uh, I mean uh, that could go two different, a couple different ways. I guess too. it's that's true. I actually had someone bring that up to me once, uh, fairly recently, and I was sort of like. I guess, uh, you know, it's just kind of an inside joke that's stuck. That's that's why. But uh, I actually I don't think I've brought this up publicly, but I was go- like I was whatever Googling myself. This is probably about a year or two ago. And I found a Reddit thread all about uh, like Asian Asian Americans on the independent scene. Oh, God. Oh, no. And it, and it listed me in there. And I was like, oh, boy, guys, I hate to break it to you. But, uh, like, and it had, yes. you know, had like, you know, Ke- my good friend Kevin Koo and Yoya and, and a bunch of actual Asian Americans. And then. Right. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. That was, that was, uh. anyways. So, um, no, definitely not. I mean, yeah, I, I apologize if anyone's offended by my my choice of fake last name, but uh, that's... you just gotta go. You just gotta go like full Cody Rhodes here and just go by Daniel, right? Well, I remember there was a joke. Year, someone made a joke years ago of if I ever uh, get signed to the WWE, what my fake NXT name was, and I think they called me like Daniel Takayama or something. But um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways. I'm just imagine. I'm just imagining. Cause you're like a fairly tall guy from like what I've seen. Like, if you on film, I'm imagining you trying to do like the Takayama, like completely clearing oh, the ropes thing. Yeah, I'm not that. And, I'm not that oh, tall, yeah. but yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm indie tall at best, but uh, yeah, like Takayama is like legit, like six 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 seven, uh, or or he, you know, he was, or you know, whatever the the case is. But uh, um, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> it was a funny choice of last name the person went with. I don't. I'm sure I would. Uh, I would find a different Japanese person to, to steal their name from. But uh, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I, I should, mean, so hey, did, are, should, should I should now. I be stealing ideas from Tim Thatcher and, and Big Ugly from ten years ago for for this weekend when I when I wrestle the man I wrestle mean, the man in my return to Portland for DOA Pro Wrestling. Cheap plug there. I think you should just. 
be prepared to protect yourself. You should see what this guy is capable of because uh, he's a very violent individual. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm actually. You yeah. know what? I. 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 I'm looking forward to it. It's not the match I was expecting, uh, but uh, I think it'll be. It'll be cool, and I think we can do something that's different and and unique and and feels very realistic uh, based on our 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 styles. So. Uh, yeah. So what you're saying is you're working no, in deathmatch. Lord no, Lord no. <laughs> deathmatch Dan. I've I've done some dumb dumb yeah. stuff like that back in the day, but not since I was a kid who wasn't getting paid to do this. So yeah, but no, it's so it's so funny because like I said, that match just showed up on YouTube like relatively recently. It wasn't like it's not like it's been up there for years and no one saw it. It just it just kind of went up. I think because Big Evil is getting back into wrestling and he just dusted off some old tapes and has been uploading it, it looks like, based on his YouTube channel there. And as we started recording right now, I was like, oh shit, I remember that. I want to talk about this this anecdote, but I couldn't remember who he was wrestling. I just knew that recently he got a match announced with someone, and then it was fucking you. So I was pretty gobsmacked when I just looked that up right now, and I was like, oh yeah, it's Dan. That's, um, that's so very, yeah, pretty, uh, good, good timing. Good, perfect timing there on all that. Um, let me see. I guess there's a much bigger diatribe I want to get into, but maybe we'll talk about it later. Um, what, uh, Quentin? You got any other any other uh, topics you want to hit on and talk about here? Uh, I mean, I've been watching like a lot of like like mostly Joshi lately. I've been watching a lot of the Marvelous versus Sendai Girls uh, program, uh, gearing up for when we do like our pandemic era wrestlers of the. Regressors of the pandemic, I guess that works yeah. better. But um, watch it, watching some of that. Um, the tag the tag matches have been better in the Marvels versus Sendai Girls uh, series than the singles matches, honestly, which is a little, which is, is a little disappointing. But still, the tag matches are really are really really good there. If you're one, if you want like a outline of the big essential matches for that, then you should hit up our pal uh, Corwo on Twitter, who's Kind of real big into Joshi lately. Like, yeah. Big Japanese wrestling expert, expert Corwo over here. So uh, ask, DM him and you can probably get the outline for that series. And other than that, I'm watching Stardom, catching up on the Stardom Grand Prix. We like considered talking about the Stardom Grand Prix a little bit on here for this episode, but I haven't caught completely up. But watching it and seeing uh, Mayu Iwatani, I think that she's been... Really good. The Momo match, uh, from the finals from the final show was great. I didn't get to see Momo versus uh versus Siori in the in the in the final, but Siori's had a really strong year. It's it's weird how big of a deal Siori is in Stardom. Yeah, it's 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 kind of strange. Like she doesn't really fit what Stardom has been going for the last couple of years. But it's cool to see. It's cool to have like that kind of variation. On the card, like on the on the shows, and who's getting pushed, just made me wonder: Is there like some kind of connection between Siori and Kadani that I don't know? Just because I know about Siori's like previous combat sports career, so like I was trying to figure out if Kadani and Siori have some kind of connection. Gotcha. But I've I haven't been able to find anything on that. But other than Joshi watching two thousand four ROH, watching. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I think before we got on, I was I had just finished. Um, not just I, I watched uh, Dan's match versus Jeremy Wyatt from the last St. Louis Anarchy show, and before that, I had, I had just finished watching the Brian Danielson versus Homicide match from 
Reborn Stage Two. So trying to fit. I've been trying to finish up the 2004 ROH stuff I've been watching. Gotcha. Um, speaking of Daniel Bryan, I guess. Oh, sorry, Dan. Did you did you have something to add in there? No. I. I what, what's the Homicide Daniel Bryan match you talked about? His 04, you said. Yeah, 04. It's um, stay. It's um, Reborn. Day two, it's the same show as when the Second City Saints beat the Briscoes for the Is that titles. the one with the crazy Pepsi plunge for the finish? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay, that, that, gotcha. that one. I saw the, the only time I've ever been to a Ring of Honor show in my life uh, was uh, it was the third anniversary show in New Jersey, and it had a Danielson homicide match on it. It was a taped fist match, I think. Um, which was good, but like not at their like tippy top of, w- of what they did. So, yeah, like their like their eventual level, like when they get the final battle, two thousand six, all that kind of stuff. Like what they eventually get to. No, yeah. Luckily, it wasn't uh, Punk involved in that because, as you know, uh, he can't do the taped fist gimmick because he he kills the gimmick by having his fists taped all the time. Um, uh, but no, speaking of Danielson, I did want to mention, because I had talked about G1, obviously G1 is still rolling on, and uh, the star, I talked about the star of the G1, or one of the stars of the G1 has been Zack Sabre Jr., and I kind of wrote it off as maybe just a, uh, not a coincidence, but just kind of a situation where they're taking advantage of something that they had to, um, an unfortunate situation with the pandemic and everything, that Sabre's a guy who can fill out, you know, shorter cards with longer matches, um, but Danielson basically kind of calls out that he wants a match with Saber, and Saber continues to be booked strong and look really good in the G1, even uh, uh, having a, the match that he has with a, with Great Ocon, um, who is another like kind of seemingly star of the tournament. He actually gets the win on Ocon. Um, yeah, Zach, then, oh yeah, Zach's been like Zach's been real good. He's been really really good. Well, and he calls back out to Daniel Bryan, you know, so. It does make me wonder because there there is the the forbidden door. Was it just a coincidence that Saber was being presented strongly in the G one, and then Daniel Bryan calls him out, or is this a setup for something? And they're actually trying to heat up Zack Saber Junior. in New Japan because Daniel Bryan actually wants to do something with him, and Daniel Bryan's one of the biggest stars in all of wrestling right now. Um, it's kind of an interesting situation. But uh, yeah, thoughts on if either of you guys have any thoughts, or if you've seen any G one stuff. I've seen. I've seen. Brian pretty much say that he wants to do a Zach match, but he want, he doesn't want to. He wants to do it in England. So I've been think I've have the I've had the impression that if they do Zach versus Brian, that they would run it in England first. Sure, but maybe but maybe they I could I could see a scenario where um uh it's it's easier to just run Brian versus Zach in Japan, and then eventually they'll get to a Brian versus Zach match in England, but. Either either way, I think I think it's going to take place in England on some capacity. Either way, whether it's the first match or another one in the, or, or another one in their series, I think England will get one of those matches. I, yeah, I think that that would. No, oh, no, no. Go, no, go ahead, Tim. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I could definitely see that main eventing the first big AEW show in. in I England. I was one hundred percent going to say. Uh, well, first, I, I've seen none of the G one. I did hear from our mutual friend uh, Joseph uh, he recommended the uh, Zach versus Shingo match so I'm going to check that out because I like both of those guys and otherwise I have very little interest in the G1 um, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and I I 100% can see them holding off on um, I don't think Zach will win the G1 but I can see him getting like maybe even a like a like 
the a block finals or, or maybe even a, a finals finals run um, just to, to really yeah, put some um, think, some shine on them. Um, and then I think for sure they hold off and they wait to do Zach versus Danielson. And it um, at the first the first time they run uh, Dynamite in, in England. And uh, I, I have to imagine it'll be at Craven Cottage, which is uh, Fulham Stadium in London. Um, Fulham, of course, is owned by the the Khan family. So, um, and that's that's a like it's a twenty five thousand capacity for for soccer. So, um, I can see them packing it out for, especially if they yeah, the headline yeah, with sure. Danielson and Saber. Like that's huge. So, yeah, and I think I um, think Zach is still technically he's undefeated right now, and the tournament is probably nearly yeah, halfway is. over. And I think. I think at this point, because last last week we delivered, we talked about maybe we do a Shingo versus Okada final, and we and Okada beat Shingo in the G one. Now, yeah, I I'm pretty sure Zach is, is going to be in the final. I'm pretty yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty much locked, especially because he's got the tiebreaker on on Okan, who is the other only other person who I could see possibly making it to the final. Um. So yeah, it's seeming uh very likely. Since we recorded last, I had also seen the Ishii versus uh. Abushi match that was on the same uh, show as Zach versus Shingo, and man, like I don't know, you know, sometimes with New Japan, you really don't can't, really can't tell between when guys are working or when uh, there's like something wrong. But Abushi looked fucking gassed in that match, man. Like it, 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 it looked like he shouldn't be wrestling. It, it, it got like pretty uncomfortable. And again, I don't know if that was between, like him working. Or there was something legitimately there, but New Japan it, it can be hard to tell. But that and how and how gassed he was, and not being the same Abushi when it came to the crispness of his uh of his of his striking and his sequences being sloppy and stuff like that. Like that's not that's not Abushi. He right. He looked like he he should have been taking more time to recuperate after after that. He doesn't he doesn't look right. Yeah, I mean it's tough because the guy was at the peak, right? He was the champion and all that stuff and. and... To be sidelined like that's got to be pretty tough. Um, even Dan talking about that to begin with when we opened up. I mean, being off and not being able to wrestle probably was pretty tough. Um, and you weren't even injured. So I could I could imagine it's similar that you want to rush back. Uh, I mean, 100%. And like, I think I was pretty indicative that I kind of did do that this year. Like, um, I don't know how obvious it was to outsiders. I'm sure some people who follow me pretty closely could tell. But like... Um, WrestleMania weekend this this year in Tampa. I was down there. I was a part of it, but um, and I don't think I even realized it until the moment, like how not ready I was to be on on kind of a big platform again, and how um, just to be frank, how out of shape I was. Um, and I'm not someone who's known for being like I'm not a body guy. But I can go, you know, right? Like I've got the win to, to go and have longer matches and, and have fast paced like technical matches. And it didn't really dawn on me until I was like actually in the moment that first match, WrestleMania weekend, just how out of shape I was and how unprepared I was. And now I'm at the point where I've put in a lot of work. Um you know, specifically leading up to SCI, which we, you know, this might be a nice jumping point off where we yeah. can touch on that. Like, I had a, I had a goal of where I wanted to be weight wise at SCI, and uh, I hit 
said goal literally the the day before I flew to Chattanooga, um, and I lost uh, twenty five pounds between WrestleMania and, and SEI, um, and have subsequently lost more weight since then even. But um, because yeah, I, I wasn't happy with the way I looked. I didn't you know my gear didn't fit me like it, it should have, and my wind wasn't where it needed to be. And I knew certainly for SCI, uh, I was going to have very high expectations. I was going to have a lot of matches. And I didn't want to be in that situation again where I wasn't, you know, I've watched my matches back from WrestleMania, but I don't really have any desire to watch them back again. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe sure. the Eric match. Um, the, the Eric match was was long enough and was worked at a more of a, a, a slow, deliberate pace because we're both bigger guys. Um, him more so than me, obviously. But but you but you feel the but you feel the way more about like the Jane like match, the yeah. Match. The Jane match. If you go back, you I, I literally I I mean just to be perfectly frank, ninety seconds in, I had to like apologize to him because I told him I'm like I'm I'm already blown up. I can't I can't keep going at this pace. Like, and I felt really um, embarrassed and like really kind of ashamed because he's someone. Uh, you know, whatever you say about Jaden, I know he's not the most popular person in a certain uh, group of, of internet fans, but like he's a hardworking kid and I've known him for years and, and I really wanted to have a good match with him. And, uh, and uh, you know, we had an okay match, but it wasn't what it could have been. So, um, so yeah, no, I had to kind of, I, I rushed back because of just how much I missed it and I didn't put in the work necessary and subsequently, you know, put it in, had lackluster performances and, and kind of had to wrong those or uh, correct those wrongs, I should say, right those wrongs uh, subsequently. So, yeah. And you didn't have double pneumonia. So, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, like, what's my excuse? I was just a fat ass in the pandemic, but I mean, I'm not the only one. So, <laughs> oh, no, I'm just saying because, like, the, uh, Abushi, obviously, the guy is like, in still in really good shape, but he was. Yeah, the dude out. like has no fucking yeah. lungs at this point. Like yeah. he should like this. Like like he's a freak. He's a freak of nature and has been been that since he's since we like we've yeah. been aware of him. But yeah, this this it, it felt weird. It felt like genuinely kind of uncomfortable to actually watch Ibushi. But uh, speaking of uh, yeah. you getting back to wrestling again, uh, obviously we had did we did plan on doing an SCI episode. Um, I was having te- I was having technical difficulties and we weren't able to do it in a timely in a timely fashion. But you went back to do scenic Invi- the scenic city invitational for a second time, uh, first time since 2019 because there was not one in uh, in 2020 if I'm correct, right? And uh, obviously, I want to get your thoughts on the weekend as a whole because it doesn't it isn't just SCI. Uh, you had a match with a. a Damian Tangra, uh, the night, but the night before the tournament, the tournament itself started. But how's it felt for you to uh, have your second home be Tennessee in, ter- in terms of in terms of your uh, your wrestling career? I know you know you're you've been working Seattle and Vancouver for the mo- for the most part mainly throughout your res- throughout your uh, wrestling career, but to be so big and vital to the Tennessee wrestling scene and sort of that south southeastern wrestling scene. Uh, in general, how has that been for you? And what was it like going back to Tennessee to, um, for the festivities? So random. Like, it's so, I mean, I guess I, I can thank Dylan Hales for that because he's the one who really championed me initially and, and 
gave me the opportunity. Uh, you know, it was literally the first place. It's the first kind of indie outside of the Northwest that that uh, in the modern kind of era of of you know IWTV indies or 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 things being readily available uh, on streaming services. That you know, SUP was the first place that that I got to work back in 2018, and uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. So. Um, but it's cool. Like everyone has just been so nice and gracious and has, you know, there's, there's so many kind of under the radar people or people just waiting to bubble up down there. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, everything's just clicked, you know? And, and if you had told me that my style would, would really connect, um, with, you know, a Southern, uh, fan base, you know, who maybe are used to more Gaga, um, I, I would have called you, you know, liar or misinformed. But, you know, I've, um, I remember having dinner after SCI this past August with Scott Hensley, who's, you know, one of the promoters of SCI and, and a ring announcer. And, you know, we were talking about how, um, you know, I've just kind of become one of their guys and how that was just had, you know, unexpected and, and kind of weird for me. And, and I never really expected to connect with people as well as I have down there. And he kind of just framed it as, well, you're a storyteller, you know, first, you know, yeah, you may be a technical guy, but you're not, you know, you're not just a boring going through the motions, technical guy. You're, you know, when it comes down to it, you're a storyteller. And that's what connects with people. It's just your medium is, is technical wrestling. And, and honestly, if I, I I've, I've joked about it, but if I were to ever write a thesis, um, it would be on, you know, the fact that, uh, you can tell compelling stories through technical wrestling. And I, I truly believe that. And that's kind of my, my, my life's mission is to, to travel the world and, and see it and do as many cool things as I can and prove that you can tell compelling stories in a wrestling match through technical wrestling. And so, yeah, it was, you know, that's kind of a roundabout answer, but it's, um, it was amazing to be back. It was amazing to see so many people, both fans and, and workers and just people working behind the, the scenes and some people that I, I'd never met and some people that I, you know, had only met a handful of times and, um, and, you know, wrestling in the TW arena for the first time, which is just kind of a, it's a cool old school kind of like studio wrestling vibe you know and it reminds me a lot of the three two on battle palace honestly you know it's it's a ring with a wall on one side and fans on three sides of the ring you can fit a similar amount of people in there and they are kind of you know there's definitely people who are smarter wrestling fans there but it's a lot of twe local wrestling fans similar to how 321 battle had their local Seattle 321 battle fans and so you know it's it's not necessarily the same style of of product being presented but uh there's a lot of parallels to be drawn there and so it it felt very cool to get to come back to SCI where I kind of helped make my name uh both in the south and and independent wrestling in general and this time around get to do it in in this building that had just a very familiar vibe to it if you allow me to uh, give you some flowers for a second, Dan, you mentioned how if you hear it on paper, you're not sure that Daniel Makabe and the way that he wrestles would get over in front of a Southern audience. And to push back on it a little bit, when you look like if I knew who Daniel Makabe was in 2015, 
I would have wanted to see him versus Kyle Matthews. I would have wanted to see Daniel Makabe versus Jimmy Rave. I would have wanted to see Daniel Makabe versus Slim J. So like, I think I think that there always always would have been a place for you in um in the southeastern wrestling scene when it came to wrestling and even in, and even in general. Like if I was more aware of a Daniel Makabe, I would have not only wanted to see him versus those guys I just named, but I would have wanted to see Daniel Makabe in a in beyond facing you know going about that round robin that was going on with the Biffs and the Eddie Edwards and the and the Thatchers and the Gulags and stuff like that. So going back to what you're talking about with you having this uh, fulfillment to bring uh, technical wrestling uh, stories or using technical wrestling as the medium to tell these stories. I think that there always would have been a place for that. Um, And I think that you've always been good enough at it in the time that I've been watching you that if I, if I dropped you off in 2015 independent wrestling and you just had a breakout year around that time, you would like, you would have been doing the exact same stuff on the exact same level. I mean, I I appreciate that. I I think, uh, yeah, I think the other thing is like iron sharpens iron, right? So like looking back on what I was doing in 2015, uh, I was kind of a big fish in a small pond. And some of those some matches I had that year, I can go back and watch very fondly. And some matches it's like, oh, that wasn't that great. But, um, you know, I, I really feel it's funny because when, you know, you you enter new locker rooms and people, oh, ask you, like, oh, when did you start? How long have you been working? Whatever. And, and my story is complicated because I got trained in 2003, but I didn't really do anything of note until 2017. <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't to say that I, was, I wasn't doing anything or I wasn't any good. But I think I really wasn't ready to do what I'm doing now until then. And even in, you know, like... I look back on some of the, the, you know, when I started traveling in 2019 and some of the matches I had and, and some of the places that I went and I think, man, like if only I could go back now, like I would, I would do even better. But I guess that's just life in general, right? We're, we're constantly seeking improvement and, and, and learning from our, our past experiences. Right. So. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like if, do you feel like if Dan Makabe traveled, uh, a little bit earlier than you got to, do you feel like if you would have been working like the SPWs or the premier wrestlings, like going up, going up and down uh, the West coast in the, in the United States, that you would have been ready for such a thing around that time? Or do you think that everything worked out for you? Like the way that it should have. Yeah. It, it, we may have had a more, an accelerated uh, rate. <laughs> it, it, I mean, like it wouldn't have hurt. Certainly, you know, it, I know, I know, but you're, but you're talking about how like you feel like maybe you weren't like as ready in the iron sharpens iron, and you were being like a a big fish in a small pond working uh working three two one, and obviously we saw guys like the Thatchers and the Jeff Cobbs and even um Adam um Thornstows coming out coming out of that uh region. Jr. Kratos is still getting GCW bookings and is uh working New Japan strong now, and um. Again, like just just curiously, like, do you think that that would you, you think that would have accelerated that yeah, in that case? Pro- I, probably, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I've also I've still never wrestled in California, which is wild. So, so yeah, that's insane. Um, yeah, that certainly would have accelerated that. So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it it is what it is. You know, like I I haven't done. Uh, a lot of things, but then there's things I've done outside of wrestling that, you know, that's what I was doing while, when I wasn't wrestling. Right. So it's, uh, I, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm 
I don't have any regrets, certainly, you know, um, because even if, you know, I, I, I will say that if I'd stuck with independent wrestling, uh, through the two thousands, like there's no way I would have, I would have been around now because I think I would have burnt out on it. Um, I, it was just a very different community and a very different, certainly here in the Northwest, you know, when me and my friends started training, we, we wanted to be in ring of honor, you know, and like the Pacific Northwest was not ready for, uh, that kind of, um, that kind of style, that kind of environment, uh, it, and it still in some ways is not, <laughs> but, uh, which we can go into later. You know, I had a match a couple weeks ago that, um, I was really happy with, but like the, the crowd, uh, even though it's not a tiny, tiny town, but it's, um, you know, I expected it to go over better than it actually did. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, the Northwest in some ways is very progressive in other ways, uh, not as much as you'd think. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you mentioned it in you know your the stuff that you did in music. I I know I, I know it was a musician. I remember this quote from, and you you may even recall it, but it is. It's like it takes ten years to become an overnight sensation, and that's kind of the the Daniel Makabe in wrestling story. Um, but you know, as you said, while you were doing it, you were doing music. Um, but the Pacific Northwest produced a couple of uh, notable stars, right? Like Daniel Bryan's from there, and uh, Davey Richards. And as you talked about, like you would have got burnt out in the in the mid two thousands if you were wrestling. I I don't know. <laughs> what a Daniel Maccabee thinks of if he's sharing locker rooms with a guy like Davey Richards. So in a weird way, I think that, you know, the business, the business was a lot scuzzier, even just back in the two thousands to where I don't know that someone with your personality would have necessarily stuck around just because of, I don't know, the kind of really shitty personalities that you would have been forced to interact with more to where it, maybe it is better that you kind of are more in wrestling now where a little bit of that is gone. If that makes I, sense. I think that's 100% the truth. Yes, I feel that way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, one more, one more thing, one more thing before we move on to the to SCI. And it's like, not to keep, not to keep uh, going on, going on about this, but you talk about the things that like you like haven't done, like you haven't like really gotten to wrestle in California, California yet, which is honestly complete insanity. <laughs> but it's been so weird, like watching you the last couple of years and watching you, gain more exposure and it's like yeah there's certain things that you like that you haven't gotten a chance to do yet that i think that you should have like been gotten to do been gotten to do a hundred times over by now but also i look at i look at what you've done and you've gotten to wrestle like wxw in an ambition tournament and wrestle shima and also become a legitimate star in the in tennessee somehow so it's like it's the whole Daniel Makabe story the last two years, his, your trajectory has been such a fast. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't change, you know, I wouldn't trade my experiences for anything. Like there's, there's certain things that friends of mine, you know, I see people who get booked, you know, getting flown all over the country every weekend now. Um, and like, that would be cool. I would, I would love to be able to do that. Like it would be a bit of a hassle because of the border right now, but um like a lot of the people who are kind of blowing up and are starting to bubble up and even get signed by AEW people that I am very, you know, I consider friends and peers um, like a good chunk of them haven't wrestled in Europe (laughs) and, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I got that on them. So, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's just, our experiences are different. Right. And, um, and, 
Yeah, it's funny. Like I've, I've joked outside of the Northwest, my biggest fan base is in Tennessee and Ireland, you know, like it's, it's so <laughs> random. Like who's to say what's, you know, what's going to happen. And now, like now I'm trying to grow my fan base in Canada. That's the other thing. Like I'm way more popular in Seattle than I am in Vancouver, which is, um, you know, but I, I want to change that. And so we're, we're working on that. And, and there's, uh, there's new avenues that are opening up. And I'm hoping to wrestle um, not just in Vancouver, but more so in Canada in general. So, um, and just wherever, you know, <laughs> like I, uh, I'm very motivated right now and, uh, and I'm working on getting in even better shape because I've got some pretty big tasks ahead of me in the next couple months. And, uh, and they're going to test that. And, uh, and I'm not ready to, to slow down yet. You know, I'm not getting any younger, but, uh, but I still got some some years in me. So, are you spoiling that you're gonna do a sixty minute? No, run? but like I mean, like no, it's not. I'm wrestling Alex Shelley, you know, at the end of November, and like it's no secret that the guy works at a pace that I I am not ready. I am Jesus, not ready yeah. for uh, currently. Uh, but uh, I'd like to. I'd like to wrestle a sixty minute draw with someone at some point. Uh, like that's just. Almost just as a genre exercise, I, I think it'd be it'd be interesting. But but I'd want to be in the right kind of shape, and I would want it to be the right opponent and the right scenario, right? Right, yeah, right, right opponent, right environment. Like like on paper, it feels like you and you and Jeremy Wyatt would be good for that. But it's like like. Like it almost feels like a CWF would have been perfect for like a Daniel Makabe like sixty minute draw or like a long title match would have been like a real good environment for that and now maybe something else like that will pop up as you've been working still in the in the mid in the midwest and the southeast that something like that could still pop up but yeah like imagining what like you versus uh versus trevor lee could have looked like if you were one of those travelers that cwf was bringing in like a chip day or something i feel like that would have been like something to see it would have been cool but uh yeah so we'll we'll have to find a different uh we'll have to find the right place i'm sure it'll it'll pop up at some point but uh yeah yeah well hey you talked about you know owen one to Jaden newman you know (laughs) maybe uh maybe he could be the guy um anyways um yeah i mean Alex Shelley, like you said, Alex Shelley, maybe he's quick, maybe he works a fast-paced style, so that's where the being indie big might uh, come into play. You can lean on him a little bit. And slow him down. Slow yeah, him that down sounds there. just, yeah, shoot, yeah. slow him down. <laughs> yeah, like really big, just... Big, yeah. big Daniel Makabe <laughs> clubbing forearms to the back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so let's get, well, I guess we'll get into SCI weekend, and, and you already kind of mentioned it, but I, I will say, like, you know, I, I mentioned it to you even like the first Eric Royal match. I loved it, but I could tell that you both were not at your peak. And then this SCI weekend, I think you guys, uh, you really showed what you could do and you delivered what I was hoping for. Um, especially with, uh, with something that felt like a little bit of a, uh, a, a shout out or a little call out to something that I had expressly talked about, which was watching Daniel Garcia crossing his ankles on his, uh, rear naked, chokes and then i see uh i see you take advantage of eric royal when he's crossing his ankles in front of you on a uh, body scissors so i was uh i was uh i was very happy to feel like i was not only watching a match that i i loved but that uh i almost felt like i was getting a little shout out there um but uh you open up the weekend with uh the match with damian tegra on the night before and everyone was raving about this match you saw it in the building and the production was so bad that i don't know but to me the match just wasn't quite there 
I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, and full, yeah, the, the the production's not great for sure. The production's pretty pretty yeah. bad, and to the point that like I had multiple people DMing me, being like, "This match is hot," but uh, but the but the production's really really lacking. Um, it's one of those things that like uh, you know maybe it played better in in the room. Um, in the room, it felt you know it felt pretty unreal. Watching it back, I still think it's a good match. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm happy with it. I, I think we've got a better match in us. I think um, we, um, you know, going forward, he's still really young and he's just still really raw. Like I think he has so much just kind of energy and and like a freneticism to him that at times he just needs to he needs to learn to harness that still, and he will in time. Um, but I'm still, you know, I still think it was a, a, a really good match. And, uh, I think, uh, I think we will do it again in the future, um, for sure. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and it was a, it was a good way to kick off the weekend, especially considering I hadn't wrestled since that really disappointing WrestleMania weekend. And it was like, can I still do this? And to end my first match back with a standing ovation is like, oh Yeah. I, I still got some gas in the tank. That's that's a nice feeling. So. Yeah, and you mentioning you know that um, the I mean the reason why I bring it up or the way that I, I kind of reference it is that the people that were in the building even after the weekend were saying that that was the match of the weekend. Like I, that was the report that I even got from people. Even after everything happened, people were still saying Dam- Daniel Makabe versus Damian Tagra was the best match of the weekend. Um, so I was pretty excited to see it and, the, and why I reference it to the Eric Royal matches because for me at the end of the day that was the my match of the weekend I thought you and Eric Royal had the best match of the weekend um, so that was just like kind of I like compared the two um, so yeah I don't know uh, Quentin did you have any SCI questions things you wanted to bring up talk about yeah so like I like getting Dan's like fan pers- fan perspective. Uh, you know, sometimes he holds out he holds out on us a little bit, and sometimes it's our like you know what we do over here. But I've I've heard Dan go six hours talking talk on between the sheets, so I know he has some fan <laughs> stuff in him. Like, you know, you were you were there. You had the best seat. You've had the best seat in the house for some of those for some of the matches. I imagine some of it you're preparing for your stuff, and I know you're not always like the biggest watcher of anything. But it's SCI. It's a festivity. Did you have anything that you saw from from your time uh, down in Tennessee that should, that was your favorite that was your favorite match of the weekend? Oh, it wasn't your own. Good question. I gotta uh, let me go back and look. Admittedly, especially working um, like that style of tournament uh, show, um, I don't necessarily get to see a lot of it. Um, right, especially if I'm late on a show. Like um, night one of SCI, I'm the main event with Adam Priest, um, and um, I'm very happy with that, how that match went. You know, wasn't sure how our styles would kind of mesh, but I, I thought we had a good match. Um, but I didn't see a ton. You know, I remember I saw Danny Garcia and Graham Bell. Um, I liked that match. I thought they did a little too much, though, and I told both guys that after the fact. Um, uh, Wyatt and Cabana Man Dan on paper was going to be like my match of the weekend. I thought it was like, like ultimate indie heel versus indie babyface. 
And I thought they had a good match, but it it just missed the mark a little bit. It, it didn't, you know, they were they were off on on a few things, and and I think if those guys got the chance to work again together, I think they'd have a way better match. Yeah, um, just way way better. Um, otherwise, I, I didn't see Eric Royal and Derek Neal. Um, yeah, I didn't see Jaden and, and Ison, so I didn't see much from night one. And then night two is kind of even worse because, uh, you know, in the afternoon, I, I bust my head open on the Futures show uh, in uh, the kind of the surprise tag match, me and, and Brandon Williams versus Tangra and Kane. Um, so the afternoon, I'm, I'm concerned about getting that kind of um, sealed up. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about my match with, um, with Eric and, you know, pretty big expectations to live up to as far as the, the rematch and, and possibly building to future matches down the, the road between the two of us. Um, and then also, um, you got the finals, you know, and the finals in itself, it, it's, uh, it's a, a big undertaking, right? So, you know, admittedly, I didn't get to see a whole heck of a lot on night two either. Um, surprise opener, Adam Priest and Kevin Koo I saw. Um, and I thought that was a cool match. And obviously Koo is, is one of my best friends. So I, I always try to go out of my way to watch his matches. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I saw very little um, this time around because I was just so preoccupied. Uh, and, and I, like, guys, I can admit it. I was being selfish. I was uh, worrying about my own stuff. But uh, uh, I mean, also when you like, you know, cracked your head. Yeah, you're in a, bleeding like, all in a pretty, place. I, Yeah, I. So I didn't see the future show. Yeah. like admittedly. Um, so I, I. So I don't know if like you um, have referenced have have referenced this or like exactly what happened. But obviously, your Twitter uh, profile picture is a very awesome image of you. Uh, with like this blood-stained jersey and uh, you know, kind of hold, and holding your head, and you have this real bad luck in Tennessee. Uh, both times around uh, when, you, when, you, when you come down for SCI, but like, what what exactly happened happened there? Like, I, I didn't. I didn't yeah, and you know what? It's it's the one of those things where it always happens on the dumbest thing, um, yeah. because like you didn't even see it happen on camera. Uh, it happened. Yeah, I was gonna say even even if you did watch it, Quentin, you, it's kind of hard to figure out what happened. It's it's literally the really? finish. Okay. So I haven't watched it back, but like in, in the moment that, that tag match, you know, me and and uh, Williams versus Tanger and Kane felt like a, a fun match. Um, I love. Yeah, that. I mean, I was I was full admission. I was trying to do like a early two thousands battle arts tag match. That was. The idea that I forced upon those those young guys, <laughs> and I was like, "All right, this is what we're doing." And you know, those are three guys that I, I knew could do the style, right? So, um, and that sort of psychology. So, um, but the finish was Tangra has my partner tied up in the STF. I I come in to try and save him. Alex Kane picks me up, dumps me to the floor. And, and I'm unable to, to save Brandon before he has to tap out, right? And in the, the moment, as I get dumped to the floor, the idea was it was like a shin breaker. He, he lifted me up, and he was going to dump me over the top, and I was going to land shin first on the apron and then just kind of take my own bump and, and kind of crumble to the floor. Um, but the aprons in that ring were, were narrow enough that I just barely clipped the edge, 
and kind of hit it and bounced out to the floor. And I hit my head on a chair leg on a wooden chair in the front row that had like, Oh wow. A six year old child sitting in it. So he didn't have big legs. So like the chair legs were fully exposed and I just conked my head and I, I kind of laid there on the floor holding my head. And then when it came time to get up after the match was over to kind of leave and congratulate those guys. And I stand up and I remove my hands from my head and I go to applaud them and my hands are covered in blood. And I look down on the floor and there's a puddle of blood. And I was informed by people who were in the audience that the poor six-year-old child in that chair was horrified of course. that that his chair his <laughs> wow. chair was the one that did the damage. So, and I'm sure he probably got like sh- you know shaken when my when I like collided with his chair, right? So, um, so yeah, like I don't think it was even on on camera. And there were some people I think in the building who tweeted about it, um, but uh, that was about it. And then. We managed to get the cut sealed up, and it wasn't a big cut. It was just it was in an area where you know you, that's why we gig on, on our foreheads, right? It's because there's a lot of blood up there, and you get the adrenaline going. You bleed real easily. You don't need a big cut to do it. It's not necessarily something that's going to need stitches or or will take a long time to to seal up, right? So um, it was just in a really good spot, and uh, it just bled a lot. And that's that's really all it came down to. But we managed to to seal it up, no problem. And then, you know, I go out a couple hours later for the match with Eric. And uh, I don't even know what reopened it. I just kind of great. I think it was just grazing on the mat. And uh, and it just kind of reopened. And it just just was bleeding a, a, a ton onto the jersey, onto the mat, onto Eric, all over the place. And, uh, and yeah, that, the picture that came of it, I, I love that picture. I, I tried to make 8x10s of it. Uh, which is kind of anti. I'm not really into selling eight by tens. It doesn't really go with my vibe. But uh, it was too good of a picture to not, <laughs> not uh, try and do that. And the place that I got, I got them made at, uh, they came out blurry. And so uh, I've got a bunch of oh, shitty eight by tens that I'm never going to be able to sell. So I got a little gun shy. I might eventually try and, and go somewhere else and get them done. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to hold off on that. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it led to you know the streak continues. Every time I'm at an SCI, I, I bleed all over the place. Um, thankfully, this one was a little less uh, cumbersome than than the previous years, um, and I was able, you know. And that's the other thing; it didn't reopen for the finals at all. Like I didn't bleed anymore in the finals. So, you know, which was in itself a very physical match and and something that we put a lot of work into and. I wanted it to be on par with some of the finals of past years, like full admission. Everyone talks about how great the 2016 final is with Chris Hero and, and all those guys. And I didn't know that we'd be able to top it, but I wanted to be in the conversation. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to have like a, a really well thought out physical finals, which we did. And somehow I didn't end up leading anymore. So, you know, who knows what the, the body is a, and the anatomy is a truly weird thing and it's it's unexplainable at times yeah well you just it seems like you just got to tell the ace god that he needs to loosen up uh maybe he works a little bit too stiff there if he's opening you back up but kane somehow uh, alex kane doesn't do the doesn't do the trick throwing you around like a rag doll um 
But uh, one thing I'll say is that, like, <laughs> I watching it on tape and the way everything went down, and obviously, you know, life is life, and having you explain it, I obviously, you know, believe you. But at the time, I was like, this is an angle. And I hate to say this because I, I, I don't think it was the case, but getting into the finals and maybe just the overall thing, I think that, unfortunately, you getting busted back open and bleeding foreshadowed the finish because by the time that 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 was happening and uh, and you were bleeding again in the eric royal match i was like oh they're going to mirror the finals of of 2019 and they're going to have it come down to ac mac and daniel makabe again and makabe's bleeding all over the place again you know but i thought it was going to be reversed and mac was going to be the baby face and you were going to be the heel but basically at that point i was like i i felt like i could like see where it was going, where it was going to be intentionally like retelling that story, or at least like mirroring that story. So now knowing that it wasn't a plan and that you accidentally just got busted open, I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Okay, well, maybe I'm the only person who saw that, but uh, maybe unfortunately you bleeding again just made it feel a little bit too obvious that you're setting up the yeah, same story. Yeah, I think it was just it was fortuitous for sure. But I, I think yeah, you're you're just maybe a little too you know on <laughs> on the scene and a little bit too in the in the weeds so um yeah. but you know i was i i knew i knew months out that it was going to come down to me and ac and any chance any chance i got to kind of get little digs in on him on twitter or rile him up um you know i you know i was dropping little subtle hands but it wasn't like i was you know i uh, i i didn't uh the funny thing is he didn't know until uh <laughs> he didn't know until the day of that he was winning the whole damn thing. I, I knew months ago, months out that he was winning the whole damn thing. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, um, that you know, whatever. I, obviously, uh, people in charge trust me with uh, with uh, secret information. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think it was just it was luck of the draw that it worked out that way. Uh, it certainly was not the plan uh, that I was gonna. You know, we were gonna. There were certain elements that were going to be mirrored, but not all of the elements were planned to be mirrored. So, uh, Quentin, did you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, just look, just looking at it and uh, seeing, you know, this kind of being your home away from home. Although I could argue that I feel like you know, like the American Midwest and Southeastern scenes, like are like your real home at this point when it comes when it comes to your wrestling, like. Are there any like other notable names uh, in the area that you want to have a singles match with that you uh, that you haven't that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Not necessarily having to be a SCI, but if you wind up popping back up in action or anything like that, uh, what would you what would you like to do when you, when you come back around? Well, it, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because I I am coming back to the south in uh, just a little over three weeks' time. Um, I'll be returning to the TW Arena. Uh, to wrestle Kyle Matthews, which is uh, th- it was announced a couple weeks ago. I did not, I did not, I did not see that, and I'm glad, to, I'm glad that that got booked. <laughs> yeah, yes, you even so, referenced it earlier. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, it's and it's one where like you know he retired a couple years ago, and then he kind of made a comeback in the last two years or whatever. And when the match got announced, he straight up said one of the matches that he wanted to have when he came back was against me so and the for, for the you know we met each other for the first time the night before sci i had never met him before so he wrestled Jaden newman as a surprise yeah, on, good match. you know just 
the same show that I wrestled Tangra, and I, I like the match. Yeah, it was a good match. So I'm wrestling Kyle Matthews uh, in Chattanooga uh, later this month, or I guess next month, technically. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll be this month. Um, and uh, I'm doing my first ever seminar ever in Chattanooga Whoa. earlier that day. Yeah. I've never, I've never taught a seminar before. It was something that uh, people in charge down there uh, pitched to me as an idea. And, uh, and so, yeah. And, and now I've actually had, since that got announced, I've had other people reach out to me and saying like, Hey, would you do that here as well? Like, so, um, it's going to be a learning process. I'm scared shitless to teach my first <laughs> seminar. Honestly, I don't, you know, I, I, I think I've got a lot of knowledge and I've got an interesting perspective. Um, but I don't know how to necessarily, uh, get that across to, you know, 12 people or, or however many people end up coming. So, um, so that's going to be very interesting too. Um, maybe that will be something that happens more often going forward. Um, and then that same weekend, uh, already announced for uh, SUP's first show back with fans in the basement east yep. in East East Nashville, uh, me and Cole Radrick, uh, which is a match that um, both of us have wanted for, for a while now. So, so, yeah, I'm stoked for those matches. But as far as other people in the South goes, you know, I'd, I'd love to have uh, a singles with AC Mack. Um, I think there's still some some uh, gas in the tank there. Um, obviously, I'd like to wrestle Kevin Koo again. You know, he's yes. one of my best friends. And I think him and I've said it, him and Kevin Blackwood are the two most improved wrestlers during the pandemic, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Black, Blackwood uh, got really, really good. They both. Yeah. yeah, they both got incredibly good. So I'd love to, to wrestle. Uh, I'd love to wrestle Koo now. And, you know, we had a really good match at SUP, but like, let's have a main event at SUP, you know, or, or yeah. somewhere else. That was almost um, two years ago. You know, it's it's Kevin Koo is almost a whole different animal now than he was back then. Yeah, I joked with him that like he he's gotten way better and I've gotten worse. So you know, we, <laughs> we uh, it'll still balance out and be a good match. But um, um, I don't know if he counts as Southern because he he works all over the place. But like, I'd love to have another match with Fred Yehi. Um I think you know it's been. It's been almost three years since I wrestled. Yeah, Fred, we, yeah, we, we didn't. We, yeah, we didn't get to have a follow up on that, did we? No, no, and and like there's um, uh, I wrestled Caban Mandan this past weekend, although it didn't happen in the South, so that was very cool. Um, I don't know if Texas counts as the South, but I'd like to wrestle Brian Keith. He's someone who I think is sneaky, sneaky, oh, yeah. good, and starting to bubble up a little bit more. So I, he's I, on my list. I might, I might have to put a bu- put a bug in somebody's ear so I can get you versus Darius Lockhart. Oh, I'd oh, love yeah. to wrestle Darius Lockhart. He's on my list as well, too. I don't even necessarily think of him as a Southern guy, but I guess he's North Carolina. Yeah. Which is, is technically so. Mid-Atlantic and then they have like Southern-like aspects of it. Yeah. And, th- and then two people that I've wrestled twice a piece now. Uh, and um, the, one of these we could use as a, a segue if we want. If not, we'll talk about him later. Um, obviously, Eric Royal. We, you know, we need a rubber match. Um, and there's a pretty obvious place that I think it needs to happen in uh, greater Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so that one, I think it still, still needs to happen. And then, I, you know, I wrestled Jeremy Wyatt twice this past weekend, once in St. Louis, once in Kansas city, uh, you know, the match in St. Louis, uh, I know you guys both, both have seen, and, and we will yeah. talk about later. The one in Kansas city is yet to pop up online, but when it does, I, I implore everyone listening to watch it because it was a completely different match from the one we had in St. Louis. Which message, and, did, you like which message did you like more? 
I think he liked the match in Kansas City better. Um, I don't know. I, the one in, in St. Louis was longer. It had a little bit more depth to it. Um, but the one in Kansas City um, had a better crowd, certainly. And... Um, and yeah, it was just fun. It was like a, it was a more fast paced version. You know, it was like 14, 15 minutes as opposed to 25. And, uh, and it was a, just a little bit more of a deliberate match. I will say like, it didn't have as many layers uh, of storytelling going on, but sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you just need good action and a hot crowd. And that's kind of what that match was. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed both of them. So, He's someone I could honestly, both Eric and Jeremy are people that I could wrestle every day for the rest of my life or the rest of my wrestling career and have very different matches each each and every time out and and be very satisfied and, and happy happy with the matches. You know, they're people that sometimes you just really connect and, and gel with people both personally and professionally. And um and working with them is is not work. It's it's so easy it's so so easy we're just so like-minded and and ideas just flow and and sometimes we like for the most part those two guys i can just go out there and just work we don't even have to like put pen to paper we can just see how we're feeling and just that's just kind of you know the real old school style of working that is kind of a lost art and both those guys you know have kind of an old school um um base that uh that I do to a certain degree too, I guess. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's just a blast getting to wrestle those guys. Um, when you, we'll, Oh, sorry. When, uh, say, like, when so, you, when you mentioned that there was people that you had wrestled twice already and, uh, still wanted another match with the, f- the thing that popped in my head was Alex Kane. I'd love a singles match with Alex Kane as well. Yeah. You know what? I, I didn't even really think about him because yeah, like, we did, you know, interact in a in a tag match in a four way, but I'd love a singles with him. And and he's not from the south, but someone who's certainly on my list who I had, you know, a, a pretty cool interaction with in, in that SCI finals. That I I think I need a singles match with is Daniel Garcia. So, okay. um, so yeah, like I keep a massive list on my phone of people. It literally says people I still want to work with, and then in parenthesis again, and. It's I probably at this point got like 50 names on it and I've checked off like maybe seven of them. So um, I've, got, I've got some matches that that I would love to have and, and hopefully we'll continue to check these names off of. So, yeah, well, Garcia, I mean, he might not be from the south of America, but I mean, Buffalo, New York is basically southern Canada. So he counts. This is true. It's uh, it's one of the few parts of Canada that's uh, yeah, it's, it's south of where I'm from. So it's uh, <laughs> south of where I'm from. But. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, that Wyatt, you mentioned the Wyatt match from a uh, from St. Louis Anarchy, and I know that Tim has seen it. I just I just finished watching it a little, a little bit ago. R- really liked the match. Really like really liked your performance in it and the story that in the story that you guys told in it revolving around your neck. Um, the commentary didn't really pick up, and when you did the cattle mutilation and um, you couldn't bridge properly on that, and I thought that that was a little weird because that was like one of the one of the key spots in the match and that bothered me a little bit but other than that i really i really enjoyed everything about it but one thing that's been um interesting watching you as a baby face for the most part um you know in your ventures in the u.s is i kind of miss watching like watching a little bit of a 
that mean Daniel Makabe. And watching you as a baby, watching you as a baby face, and I know that as a baby face you work differently and all that kind of stuff. But thinking back to what I feel like has been some of your best work in terms of, uh, you know, your three, your three, two, one stuff, and then comparing it to what you've gotten to do in the U.S. It feels like you've gotten to dig deeper, and obviously, three to one is your playground, and you have a little bit more leeway and freedom, and uh, uh, a little bit free, more freedom of expression uh, in three to one compared to what you have so far, at least in the in the United States. But I really did kind of miss that, like some of a uh, a little bit more aggression from the, from the, um, from you that we used to get. And is there well for you? I think that you prefer working as a heel, but Right now, as it stands in the U.S., like, how have you been, uh, how's it, how's it been for you adjusting to, like, going back to kind of being, like, that, like, a, like, a traveler, uh, traveler baby face that people still get some kind of, like, uh, not novelty because you are a known commodity that, commodity there and it's not like you're, uh, you're, you're an outsider, but still, like, sort of a commodity and people smile when they see you and they're, and they're glad to see Daniel, Daniel Makabe. Does part of you still want to sink your teeth into something a little bit more, in depth character wise and maybe get back to some heel work i mean 100 percent. i i absolutely prefer working as a heel uh i think that most of my my better matches are are when i get to work as a heel um but um you kind of have to be able to roll the punches and do what situation calls for and for some reason i'm a i've kind of just become a baby face uh in the south um and working with Wyatt, obviously the natural you know move is I have to be a babyface in that right. match, right? Because he's such a natural heel, um, and those fans just hate him so much. So um, that kind of almost plays your hand for you. You don't really have a choice in the matter. So um, yeah, I wish you know I th- I think there are matches on you know like we talked about me versus Kyle Matthews and me versus Cole Radrick. I think in both those scenarios, I am the natural heel. I think you will see the more aggressive uh, heel leaning Daniel Maccabe in those matches. And I look forward to it, you know? Um, and, 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 and hopefully other matches coming up, certainly up here in the Northwest, like in Vancouver, I almost exclusively work as a heel. Mm. And, so, you know, I, I think we'll touch upon uh, some of the things bubbling up here at some point. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, you know, it's, it's really refreshing getting to do it. And, and it's something, you know, I think I can do both. Uh, and it, especially in, in new, new buildings, new scenarios, it's, it's easier to be hated than it is to get people to like you. And even though, you know, I'm not certainly not new to the Northwest and I live here, um, you know, like working in, for a new promotion, NEW, it, it was a nice feeling to get to, to come in and get to work as a heel. And, you know, pretty quickly, my whatever concerns I had were kind of washed away because, you know, it was such a, a that first show there, the, the crowd was just so up for it. And I was working with such a great baby face. So, you know, it made my life easier. Um, but, uh, but I get, I'm, I'm really hoping I get to do more of that, uh, as I travel. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that's, 
it's kind of funny that I started to make my name traveling as a baby face. Like even when I'm in Europe, you know, a lot of the time I'm working as a baby face and it's like, you're not getting the best me. Like, I'm glad you like what you're, I'm glad you like what I'm doing. And I'm glad that it's, uh, that it's working for you guys. But like, I don't think this is even, you know, the best that I can be. And so, um, but it, it just means that hopefully I, I get to come back and, and show them a whole other side and, and hopefully grow in, in all of those places as well. So, well, you well you mentioned NEW and um, we can we can transit we can transition there. Had a couple match had, had a couple matches uh on NEW's first set of shows. Both considered NEW one. There's an afternoon show and an evening show. I don't think anything from the afternoon show came out properly. Uh, but they did but they did release the any the NEW one evening show. In full, and on there, you're facing Nicole Matthews, one of the most revered veteran veterans of that of that scene. And it's funny that you talk about being in, being like a, a a heel exclusively in Vancouver, but it's funny that on paper, I would think that Nicole Matthews would be would be the heel in that match. Yeah, and you got and you got to work uh, primarily as the heel uh, in that one. So for me, I actually like the your Nicole Matthews match. More than uh, most of the stuff that I've seen that I got to catch up on. I didn't get to see SCI when it was first going up. But as I watched it last week and then I got to see your uh, couple of Jeremy Wyatt matches that you have that you had. Uh, or at least, well, at least one of the Jeremy Wyatt matches that you've had recently. Uh, honestly, the Nicole Matthews match was my was my favorite match of yours that I saw. So if you want to speak a little bit on that and then on a wider scale, talk about what's going on in the Pacific Northwest. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, before actually before you start, I'm sorry. I yeah, no, it's, to all, say, like, it's all good. I I think for me it's a toss up that the Nicole Matthews matches is, is I think your best match of the year. Like I love this match as well. So I'm with Quentin there. Where like b- between this and the Eric Royal match that I obviously really love in SCI weekend, like uh, this is on that level where I think that either one of the matches could be could be your best match of the year so far. I haven't seen the Cabana Man Dan match yet, so maybe maybe that's better because I know that you you definitely enjoyed that one as well. But uh, feel free to respond to what Quentin said there. Yeah, no, of course. So like, we'll just briefly catch on it. Like, I, I think you guys will get a kick out of the Cabana Man Dan match when when it goes up. Um, it was at without a cause this past weekend. It will be on YouTube eventually because they're releasing their stuff on YouTube now, um, which is cool. Um, it's not my best match of the year by by any means. It's it's definitely a different style. It was the opener. It was more worth like a, a hot eight to nine minute opener. But um, you know, it, it was um, it was a lot of of Dan really shining for a new audience and and you know us working together to really get him over for that audience. You know, it was his first time in the in the Northwest. So uh, any someone who I have a lot of respect for and. Uh, and just get along with personally. So I wanted to do what I could to help him out there. Um, it of course has some of my, you know, my signature, like little twists and turns and counters and, and, and turning things on their head. And so, you know, it's a Daniel Maccabi match, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a Daniel Maccabi match told within the con- context of a hot opener and not necessarily like a 2021, like Indies hot opener, but like, um, you know, there's a lot of throwback to, to territory wrestling in it, and uh, I think everyone will get a kick out of it. But it, it's probably not my best match this year. So um, that being said, yeah, I, I was really high uh, on getting to work with Nicole Matthews finally. She's someone I've known forever. Um, we've never gotten to wrestle before. Um, 
you know, for a lot of reasons. You know, she primarily worked in ECCW, and then, you know, once she branched out to uh, working the Seattle scene, she was pretty much Defy exclusive um, for a couple years until she unfortunately uh, got the, uh, you know, the the uh, U.S. Customs uh, ban, um, similar oh, to. Oh, jeez, I completely forgot about that. I yeah. I don't I don't think I even knew that that happened to Nicole. Yeah, yeah, she she got she got speedball Mike Bailey'd. Yes, she did. Wow. Um, okay. She, well, still to this day, like she's uh, it was about three years ago now. So, um, but, but like, but like, if but it feels like whenever I see Nicole, I'm always happy to see her, so I don't think about it. But then, like, oh yeah, like I haven't seen Nicole in the states. Like it just like no, doesn't like and, cross my mind that way. And that was her first match in like 18 months when she when she wrestled me. So, um, so yeah, we oh. were actually we were actually supposed to wrestle. On an ECCW show in, uh, I guess it would have been May of 2020, which obviously didn't happen because of the pandemic. But that, you know, I that was one of my uh, bookings that I had, you know, on paper that got canceled because of the pandemic was was wrestling Nicole Matthews. So it's one that we both uh, have really been looking forward to to being able to do, and like maybe a little too much transparency, but you know, I initially was a little sheepish about working for NEW. It's a brand new company here in Vancouver. Um, you know, there's some really passionate owners um, who are running it, who have a lot of really big, amazing sounding ideas. But, but you know, it's independent wrestling and, and it's, you know, show me, show me, you know, what have you done for me lately? Uh, you know, and, and, and the proof is in the pudding, you know? So it was like, okay, there's a lot of, of really cool ideas on paper, but I was a little skeptical, full admission. And, um, and so, you know, when the promotion first started on paper and they reached out to a lot of the, the area, local area workers, um, I chose, uh, deliberately not reach out to them. And they actually reached out to me and said, Hey, we'd really like you to be a part of our first show. And we want you to wrestle Nicole Matthews. And that was the selling selling feature for me. When they told me I got to wrestle Nicole Matthews, I said, yep, I'm on board. You know, whether or not this is one and done um, remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm on board for this show. And, um, you know, things went swimmingly well, you know. And, and um, Rob and Chris are the two guys who, who run it. And, and I've been really impressed with their transparency and, and, uh, how they're running things. And, and they've been nothing but, but really great to me so far. So, you know, for the time being, you know, we've got a, we've got a good relationship and I'm going to continue to work for them going forward. You know, their next show is, uh, it's coming up in like 10 days. Um, and they've already booked a bigger building than they did the first time out. And I'm wrestling really, really and, ambitious promotions so far. It's really ambitious, and I'm wrestling Hell Phantasmal on that show, which yeah. is a, it's like a it's a big a what like seriously kind of match. Go, it, go it's going back to like oh like does Dan get to work heal this match? That's or? that's a funny one. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. I, it's it might be like honestly. We get to the ring and, and the fans kind of dictate who who yeah. who do they yeah. like better, right? Um, they, they haven't seen LP LP there in a, in, a, in a while, right? You know, his last time around would have been on uh, the last time ECCW ran one of their big shows at the Commodore. Yeah, it was January. I was say, was it the was it the ballroom? The it was the ballroom, the ballroom brawl. Ballroom yeah, and brawl, I was on yeah. that show too. I was I was in a four way that opened one of the nights, 
and he was in like a big six man tag, I think, and maybe had a singles match with Beef Boy on one of the nights as well, I believe. Um, there was some kind of weird storyline stuff with Beef and him. I remember that. Yeah, they they had a bit of a thing because he worked a couple shows leading up to it as well. Uh, some of the the more smaller local shows. So, so he's been back a little bit more local in the area. So, um, it's going to be interesting. But you know, going back to the first show, um, it was a cool new venue. You know that I never never um, had wrestling in it. They sold it out in twenty four hours. Um, they announced Speedball Mick Bailey for the main event after they had sold the show out already, which <laughs> was wild. Complete um, insanity. Yeah. Complete insanity. They should have just canceled his booking. They should have um, just been like, listen, we don't need you, Mike. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, him and him and Artie had a crazy just like yeah. indie PWG bomb fest for, for uh you know, that was the that was the way to cap off the first show, right? You know, with if, if you think yeah. about it. Um, and me and Nicole kind of had more technical storytelling, psychology kind of based match that had its big moments as well. But we were kind of uh, kind of rooted right in the, the the middle, kind of the first half main event, I would say. And um, I, yeah, I love that match. I was I was really happy with how that went, and I've had so many compliments from people about that match. And but you know fans in attendance but also like the promoters you know they told me that was that was their favorite match on the show and and so that's yeah. that's cool you know when you get to this match that you you've built up for so long and someone who you've known for you know literally like since she started in the business not that we've always been friends or super close but because i wasn't always around ecw locker rooms because i wasn't working their shows and and she was you know, she was uh, a pillar of that promotion, you know. So um, the fact that we finally got to do it and have a kick-ass match, and she's someone who, you know, getting to work with her, very similar to Jeremy White and Eric Royal. I could wrestle her all day, you know, and and have very different matches. And we have a lot of the same, we've got a lot of the same interests and a lot of the same um, influences. And we really just kind of think similarly when we're putting our matches together. And we kind of joke that, you know, we're two of the people who really went out of our way to get out of the Northwest while when we could. You know, she's someone who who traveled a lot earlier in her career for her shimmer and she's traveled to Europe and Australia and, and all over the place. I think she's wrestled in Japan, too, which is wild. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was going to say she went to Japan. I'm pretty sure her, so. her and Porsche teamed in, in Japan. Yeah. So yep, they did. So that's cool, you know, like she's someone who has a lot of we have a lot of shared experiences, a lot of shared um, influences and just how we like to, to work. And so that is 100 percent not the last time you will see us wrestling in any W, you know, similarly, like there's there's more more story to be told there, you know, like I think people as invested as they were first time out on a cold, you know, first show who knew what you know what to expect i think if we come back and we give them round two and we give them you know like it, it was very much just kind of an even steven technical match and then we kind of turned it on its head and i you know went deliberately more heel and part of that was you know you guys say you're surprised to see me work as the heel against her because she's a really good heel um sometimes it just simply comes down to if you're working in a gender match and you're going to have a heel and you're going to have a baby face, it is so much easier for the guy to be the heel. It's not even funny. And so, 
So when it came down, you know, we realized, like, let's not fight the people on this. They're going to want to cheer her and they're going to want to boo me if I show any kind of aggression towards her. And it turned out that way. So, um, so yeah, I think. Well, and it's also easy to forget that Nicole is also a fantastic baby face. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's such a good heel that I forget how good she is. Yeah. Like super, 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 super versatile. Like when you think of Nicole, like something, like something the way in which he worked with Dan might not be the first thing that pops in your mind, but like she obviously has that stuff, and then she can like we've seen Nicole do street fights. Yep. She is one of the mo- most well-rounded professional wrestlers in the world. I've seen her throw some gnarly chair shots on on shows locally. That's like I'm glad I'm not on the receiving end of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an aggressive streak to her for sure so um yeah i'm i'm really stoked with with how that turned out and uh and i think new is gonna do some cool things here in the northwest and i know they're already talking about their you know it hasn't been announced publicly but they do have a date for a third show um uh, still to come this year so um yeah i'm uh i'm very optimistic with uh with how things are going and, and you're quite right the, the afternoon show has not been released publicly, but uh, I did have a, a fun match with Judas Icarus that I'm sure both of you guys have seen because you're privy to certain <laughs> Slack chats and certain people who film things and share them with certain Slack chats. And uh, and that match was fun. I, I believe footage from that show, which was professionally shot as well, um, will eventually see the light of day. Um, but um, yeah. there's no real uh, time timeline for when that's going to happen because... Uh, yeah, you know, in addition to Wrestling Phantasmo on, on the second show, there's also an afternoon show uh, in correlation with that, and I'm wrestling Miles DeVille on that show, who is another kind of young, up-and-coming uh, Northwest talent who um, I'm looking forward to getting to work with him as well. He's been down in Mexico the last couple months training with, you know, some, like, big names. Oh, is so he with that crew? He's with that crew. So, yeah, there's a crew of Canadians nice. who are down there training right now with um, – They've trained with Bandito. They've trained with Ricky Marvin. They've trained with Negro Navarro. They've trained with a real who's who of, of talent down there in Mexico City. So I can't wait. Those guys are all coming back in the next week or so. And I'm sure they're all going to have a, a ton of new skills to, to share with us. So, All right. Yeah, I'm excited for, uh, for Dan's first Yave match. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I wrestled Negro Navarro in Seattle. come on come on guys we know i'm I'm joking (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i was i was going to call out quentin and be like are we kayfabing the the listeners here and acting like we haven't seen the uh the makabe versus icarus three um look look, i I, I, I respect people's intellectual property over here (laughs) fair that's very fair um i will say unfortunately the least of the to me that the the three daniel makabe versus icarus matches this was unfortunately not your guys best but uh you did definitely make up for it the next or i was gonna say the next night that uh, was later that, the same later day, that later day. Later oh yeah in the spot on the spot on the card like we uh, we know yeah. what a we know what a dan versus versus icky match looks like you know spot on the card and what dan right. dan is a professional that knows knows how to work on the, for his spot on the card and and, and yeah we yeah. we straight up we we were told we have seven to eight minutes so it's not like we can go out you know the last time we wrestled each other was in the finals of a tournament and the main event on a three to one show where we were literally told go as long as you want to so um you know so that's definitely the case but we came back from that and yeah. said well that was our worst match ever but it's still pretty good so yeah you know that's... and the first match you guys had was was just so it was like something very 
very in the air for that match that really came through on the tape even. So it was kind of a it was kind of a special thing. And then, yeah, the second match, you guys were given free reign to do whatever the fuck you wanted. So this was not going to live up to either of those. Um, so outside of what, what you have going on, I just want to get your thoughts on um, on the Northwest indie scene, um, you know, before before we let you out of here. Um, does it really get talked about as much compared to like things that have gone on others and other scenes compared to like Europe getting completely ravaged? not just by COVID, but also other like unsavory things coming out about the rest coming out about the wrestling scene in like, in some ways, the stuff that's going on in Canada, specifically your neck of the woods, like hasn't gotten talked about as much in regards to that. But before all of that was happening, there was a crew of young, hungry, really talented people that were coming out of the Pacific Northwest scene. And now that there is a promotion that's coming up, that's coming up now with NEW, and we'll see uh, how fruitful this winds up being for people. But as um, I don't want to call you an elder statesman because you have like so much more time uh, to give to wrestling as long as long as um as long as you feel up to it. But but he is a you... pillar of that scene. It's just yeah, to for, play yeah, back yeah, into yeah, the name of the episode for sure, for sure. Um, but like, what are your thoughts on everything that the uh, that the Northwest scene has gone through in the last, uh, give or take two years, how that's affected some of the young talent. And what do you think something that NEW and without a cause can, uh, can do, can do for these guys? You know what? I didn't really think about it until you started framing the question, but you know, we saw you're, you're quite right. Like Europe was ravaged by, by scandal and by NXT UK signing away anyone with a pulse. Um, and a lot of the U.S. Indies were, you know, similarly, you know, everyone's, everyone got signed up by NXT and then, you know, a lot of them got dropped and now, you know, AEW signing up a lot of people and that will limit people's ability to work, you know, as many dates, you know, we've seen some people get pulled from shows because of AEW, um, although they did make it right as far as, you know, like financially compensating the promotions who they pulled them from and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I think low key, the Northwest, you know, if we didn't like plateau, we, or, or, or maybe we've even come out for the better in, in, uh, since the pandemic, because nobody disappeared, you know, really, I mean, nobody of note disappeared. Uh, are there some people who were canceled who are only going to work for certain promotions that, uh, you know, no one outside of the Northwest will even, you know, care about or or make make noise about. Sure, sure. There, there are, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to give certain uh, promotions and people the time of day, but there are definitely places up here um, that you're not going to find me in those locker rooms. Um, but um, for the most part, you know, we've got promotions like NEW. We've got promotions like Without a Cause. We have Defy. You know, you you know. Yes, are are they built on being more of a super indie with using um, predominantly more flying talent than other promotions up here? Absolutely, but they but, but they still have their yeah, crew of guys, their crew of local guys that uh, they use. They made, they've made their own star. They've made a couple they've of their own made stars. their own stars. Like like I, like a, I think A W superstar Shaft. Sure, you know Shaft like Shaft's one guy. Cody Chun's another guy. 
you know, Ethan HD basically lost a tag partner in the pandemic. And so he's going to be a singles guy there. And that's cool because, you know, he's still, you know, he's been around forever too, but he's, he's younger than I am and he's in better shape than I am. I am. And, uh, and so, and I don't think it's been like, it was announced in the room, but it hasn't been like, you haven't seen a graphic, but like for anyone listening, it, it, it's not a secret that, um, you know, there's a new promotion in Seattle called SOS that is basically the spiritual successor to 3 to one Battle. Uh, it's a lot of the people who work there, but no one who was involved in, in the management or, or kind of the dying days and uh, the dark days of 3 to one Battle, which we're not going to go into that. But things happened, and obviously that promotion no longer exists. And that's just the way it is. And it, it sucks, but it's, it, you know, I've come to terms with it. Um, but SOS is trying to give people, uh, you know, a lot of the people who worked those shows and enjoyed the overall tone and, um, you know, just like the vibes, you know, it was just a fun place to work and the fans just love to be a part of, of that, um, atmosphere. So SOS, you know, they've run their first show now a couple weeks ago. Um, they ran at a, um, a brewery in greater Seattle called Hales Palladium. And um, they've got their second show coming up in November. And they already announced the main event is me versus Ethan HD. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of my friends who I, you know, shared a locker room with the three to one battle for years and years. And, um, you know, and, and being, but still in uh, uh, still creating their own path. You know, they're not just recreating what three to one did. They're kind of, taking that energy and building it into something of their own. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to keep existing and their shows are going to pop up online. Defy is going to do their own thing. Without a cause. Three, um, three, six, three, three, six, five. And that's that, you know, leans to that back in Canada. We got NEW. We have three, six, five who, you know, they run on Vancouver Island, which is a ferry ride away from Vancouver. Um, but they've got, you know, three or four cities they run on and they regularly release media out there. Um, if you haven't checked it out, I know Tim, or uh, not Tim, Quinton watched it. The main event of their most recent show that I was on was, um, you know, Judas Icarus versus Travis Williams, who people will be familiar with. You know, they worked, uh, they were also the opener on that NEW show. Um, both of them have been regulars at Defy. Uh, both of them have wrestled at Without a Cause and 3 to 1 Battle as well. Um, but they had a match that went nearly an hour in the main event of the most recent 365 show. And it was one of the best live matches I've ever seen. Like it was, and, and not only was it great, but it like captivated that room. Like they were alive for the full hour, which if you had told me a, a, an indie crowd of a hundred people in Victoria, BC would have been up to see these two guys go for an hour. I would have been a little skeptical, but they were with it. And, uh, and it was a great, you know, great moment to be a part of. But, uh, you know, I wrestled Artemis Spencer, someone who I've only previously wrestled once at 3-2-1 Battle. We had a match that... A fucking, a fucking shame. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. But it is what it is, you know, like, full admission. I was a 3-2-1 guy. He's a Defy guy. And those were kind of uh, <laughs> battle lines that you didn't, yeah. you didn't cross, you know? And it was... Um, that uh, there are some people who are who are able to bridge the gap a little bit better, but uh, but it hasn't happened. So, you know, we had a match in three six five. We were both happy with the match. Um, 
the crowd was not necessarily with our style of wrestling as much as they were with that Travis Williams Judas Icarus match. They didn't want to see a bunch of shoot inspired mat work, and that's what what we gave them. But um, you know, full admission, we both have like pretty lofty goals of of running that match back in front of a hot NEW crowd or running that match back in front of a Defy crowd, you know, even if, if the opportunity were to present itself. And so um, he's someone that I, I love working with and we've got a lot. Um, you know, he thanked me publicly afterwards for bringing the inner um, submission grappler out in him because he's someone who's so actually skilled. Like, I'm just a fake shooter. I'm not really a tough guy, you know? <laughs> he is, like, legitimately really strong and really skilled and like is is a very good uh submission grappler and it's absurd it's absurd how how talented Artie is like it make it's like it's not fair (laughs) he's so talented and he never uses it and i always get on him like stop doing these bullshit super indie matches like i get it that's what people want to see but like you're so good at at this more realistic submission based wrestling and he doesn't do it and so like i constantly am harping on him to do it and so we had that kind of match and you know afterwards he said like hey thank you for pushing me to do this kind of stuff i love this kind of stuff i just don't ever do it and part of it is having you know uh, the right dance partner to do it with right um so so yeah like i i want to work for 365 i love vancouver island it's like literally guys i'm not even joking it's the most beautiful uh place on earth it's so gorgeous over there and uh, i mean those pictures that you post from the ferry the stuff that you post on your like uh instagram and twitter on the ferry ride are fucking amazing it's, as is it's awesome alone, yeah. it's awesome over there and it's just like yeah do the people love submission wrestling maybe not but it's still you know like there's still <laughs> um there's still a lot for me to do over there and i'd love to wrestle and you know any of those guys over there but the hell run me and Cole matthews over there you know she works those shows too so um so yeah, um, I I truly think you know certainly once the border opens and more Canadian talent are able to work regularly in Washington and Oregon and and, and abroad, um, I think you know there's already some people who pay attention who talk about how sneaky good the Northwest scene is, but I think it's yeah. it's ours to take. I think I think it's going to really explode, is. man. And I think people are going to realize how good how good we are and like. You know, I'm, I'm. There, all these guys we're talking about: Travis Williams, Judas Icarus, Beef Boy. You know, Liza Hall coming back from Mexico. She's been down there too. You know, um, Sharif, Sharif, Jackie, yeah. Jackie, Eli Surge, Eli Surge. All these yeah. guys are in their twenties, and most of them are their early twenties. Like those first three or four names I mentioned, they're all twenty-three years old. And so, um, yeah, it's um, I, the sky's the limit. Honestly, the sky's the limit. And uh, and I think these NEW shows are going to help people break out. I think being able to work regularly again in the States is going to help people break out. And, and full admission, some of these guys just have to take a chance on themselves like I did. You know, like it, right. people, you know, there's a, people talking about, um, you know, that this has been a, a Twitter discussion, but like sharing your wages with people. And, you know, some people saying, oh, don't do that. That's bad for the industry. <laughs> and some people saying, no, like tell people what you're making. Like... It's no fucking secret. None of us are getting rich off of indie wrestling. Like, if you looked at a tweet that I made today about donating my all of the money that I made this past weekend 
to uh, a charity to deal with, you know, indigenous causes here in, in Canada, um, I had literally one person message me saying, you're grossly underpaid for what you do because they read between the lines and they saw how much money I made this past weekend. I'm not bullshitting. That is literally, I, I donated every last fucking cent that I made this past weekend. So yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, be, I didn't want to like believe that, but I was sitting there like maybe, maybe like Dan had some personal stuff he had going on and like, you know, the, some of that went to it. And I was like, no, that, that couldn't have been it. No, but like, but like full, and some people saying like, wow, you really get underpaid. It's like, well, like I'm not even the lowest paid guy on these shows. Right. So yeah, and yeah, like, for sure. Full admission, like I didn't, I didn't pay what the promoters paid for my flights. You know, I didn't, put, I didn't yeah. tip that in as well, but um, you know, so there's other costs. There's, that's the other thing. Everyone talks about, oh, well, you know, independent wrestlers are, are underpaid and we are, but like, you have to understand that certain places offer, um, there's more, um, forms of payment other than than money. Sometimes it's exposure. Sometimes it's, hey, we have a great crowd that love to buy merchandise and you're going to sell a ton of merchandise here, right? You know, you have to you have to think about maybe the right people are going to see me and maybe I'm only going to get paid a certain amount of money, but it's going to lead to, you know, three bookings down the line, right? So people have to understand that like, yes, we are, are all probably underpaid, but within the context of independent wrestling, um, you know, certain uh, less paydays monetarily might have other incentives to them. So um, uh, the whole point I was going to make it make is like no one wants to talk about it, but you know, three quarters of the independent wrestlers out there who you're like, man, I'd really love to see so and so in my local indie, and then oh hey, they pop up in my local indie. I'm really excited. It's because they're flying themselves there, and they they right. see. Oh, there's some interest of me in the in the Midwest. Well, hey, Joe Promoter in the Midwest, I'd like to to work for you, and so I can grow my brand and, and people that might be interested in seeing me can see me live. Oh, well, I don't have the budget to fly you in. I don't know who you are. Okay, well, I'll get myself to your show, whatever it takes. Do you have a spot for me? Well, then, yes, yes, I do. That's the reality of independent wrestling. I hate to break it to you. But the- at the same at the same time, it's like when when stories like that do come out, it's like they try to they like they do shame people, and at some point you have to be like, ah, fuck you, I'm doing whatever I can to like live my dream and make a living off of this thing that I care about. But infamously, like Pete Dunn and Mark Andrews doing that had people giving them a lot of shit. <laughs> well, and 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 there's there's still gonna be people. There's gonna be there's gonna be old school vets who say like, don't you know, don't work for free, don't fly yourself in, you know, whatever, whatever. Don't, don't, don't be a, don't be a fucking mark. Yeah, that's like, fine. That's but the majority shit. of the people who share that opinion, they're not working anywhere outside of their own, their own area. You know, they're never, they're, they're the quote unquote 40 mile vets. And, or they were lucky enough to come up in, in a, a certain time period where like, you know, that kind of activity didn't exist, you know, like, but right. like, it's just the reality of that's how the independents work. That's how you break out. Certainly from a you know a remote region like here, you know, like the only people who've gotten out of the Northwest in the last ten years are you know Kyle O'Reilly and El Fantasmo, and uh, they had to move elsewhere to get recognized. And like they invested in themselves, they uprooted their lives and they moved to St. Louis and 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 the UK respectively. And, you know, and it was because they got more eyeballs on in those parts of the world. And so, like, you tell me they didn't spend money like it doesn't cost money to move yourself halfway across the world on on a whim. 
And it's not even just moving. Think about the opportunity costs and the, the like, investment. Like, okay, Dan, uh, we'll delve a little into your personal stuff. But, like, you are a homeowner, right? So let's say that you decided to move to the south to Tennessee because they like you in Tennessee. So you're not only, like, paying to move, to, like, fly there and move there, but you're also giving up, like, possibly the equity that you've built up in the home that you own, you have a full-time career, you have all of these things. So the opportunity costs and all the rest that comes with that, it's like, okay, spend $1,000 for a plane ticket for yourself to go there or give up all of the other, like, equity and the, like, built-up wealth that you have in your community. Like, but one is acceptable and one is not. It's it's insane. Yes. It's insane to be like, yeah, give up your entire life and move to this place and we'll never question it because that's just showing your, like, commitment and determination. Or spend, like, a, a one-hundredth of the same amount of, like, cost, overall cost, and then now you're a mark who's flying yourself to, to places. It's, fu- it's insane. People just really don't actually understand how economics work or don't understand how like economies work or don't b- barely like grasp like the basic tenets of like capitalism like just looking at things and being like well if you spend a thousand dollars to fly yourself to the south then you're a mark yes it's insane yeah so i mean like I, that took a real spin i didn't i didn't mean to go on a rant there but i ended up on a rant it's fair. i ended up it's on fair. a rant there so like full admission if the people from the, if the guys and girls who i'm talking about who i think have all the potential in the world they want to get out of this area they're gonna to have to fly themselves to places and then you know people are gonna realize how good they are and that's when you can say okay now you want me on your shows now it's on you to get me to your shows and that's you know that doesn't always work out some people you know will, will take a chance and fly themselves somewhere and get nothing out of it and some people will take a chance and fly themselves to nashville to wrestle on a sub show and end up getting to the point where they're really over in Tennessee, and now they've got promoters flying them there. And and that's kind of, that is a nice kind of loop, loops us back to the beginning of this conversation of how does it feel to be, you know, over in Tennessee? And it, and it feels pretty amazing, the fact that, I, you know, there's enough demand there that prom- the promoters there realize that it is, it is, um, it's important and it's beneficial to, to their promotions and their businesses. It's economically viable to that they can, there. they can now pay for Daniel McCabe to be on their shows. Yeah. Um, going, going, go circling back to like the young talent and I had this feeling as, um, and like, you know, you're, but you're, you're at the end of the day, you're like, you're still a fan of professional wrestling, Dan. And you're as aware of anybody as how, how much the scene has changed just in the last like three or four years in uh, the talent disparity that exists or like the talent that's ready despair, um, that disparity there compared to what it was like uh, three or four years ago and watching someone like Wheeler Yuta and watching Wheeler's longer matches versus Lee Moriarty and watching Wheeler versus Daniel Garcia and then connecting that to watching Travis Williams versus uh versus Judas Icarus. And while uh Wheeler and then in 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 Lee and uh Garcia are a little bit more polished at this stage than Travis and and Nicky are and uh by proxy that they're having better longer matches when they're when they're when they're aiming for something like that. It shows that kind of ambition that made the early 2000s indie scene something to pay attention to. And even if it didn't always quite land, 
you saw the ideas, you saw the ambition, and that made it worth and it made it worth watching. And I know that you're someone that you know you're a old uh, ROH bot, you're a P, you're a DVDVR guy. Like you watch this stuff, you live you live through it more, like you know more than more than I did. And I'm not sure if you're seeing the same connection or getting that same vibe from it. But as I'm looking at the Travis Williams and the uh, Judas and the, and the Judas Icarus and seeing what a Daniel Garcia and a Wheeler Yuta and Lee Moriarty are doing. Um, I kind I kind of see us getting back to a stage where the younger guys have to have to wrestle each other and iron sharpens iron. And that's how we're going to create something that's special and worthwhile. And yeah, there are the pillars of the scene that exist like a, like a Artemis Spencer or you or Nicole Matthews or whoever else. But it feels like when, if, as long as, these guys have their head on straight and they keep wrestling each other and making notable stuff out of wrestling each other. Like Icky and, um, and, um, and, and Elliot Tyler did that, you know, sadly kind of gets lost, um, in what's been going on the last couple of years. That is really going to, is, is, uh, going to take this scene over the top, uh, pretty much a roundabout way of asking, are you getting the same kind of like early two thousands, uh, indie impression, from when you look at the scene today. 100 it's funny like you made all these reference points and like full admission while i was watching that judas icarus travis williams match in victoria you know less than two weeks ago i was watching it with nicole matthews and artemis spencer and we were commenting you know i said this reminds me of early 2000s ring of honor and we were saying like what's the difference between what these guys are doing and what Garcia and Yuta did, you know, at the beginning of August, going an hour uh, on that, you know, IWTV special, you know, admittedly, yeah, those guys have a little more polish, but, you know, they've been at it a little bit longer. They've had the opportunity to work with some bigger talent, you know, being based where they are, you know, like Buffalo and Philadelphia, they have access to bigger and better and more talent, right? Um, yeah, you know, like, just like, you know, being like honest there, Wheeler is a Chikara guy and Wheeler got to like rub shoulders with a lot of like some of the most talented wrestlers that have come out of like that uh that eastern wrestling scene and then daniel garcia he had a match on my 2019 match of the year list facing josh alexander so it's like he these like these are definitely like the more polished guys like so it's like it's interesting when they go out there and they work that long and they can keep it interesting and engaging being such young talent but you know they've also got to rub shoulders with some of the best wrestlers and uh, best wrestlers of the last like ten to fifteen years. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I think, um, yeah, I think they'll get their opportunities, and I, I think you know like you can have those guys, maybe not yet, but I think eventually you'll you'll see them bubbling up and being in the main events of of the NEW shows, and. Um, I mean, already, like, NEW2 is Travis Williams versus um, Josh Alexander and Judas Icarus versus Nicole Matthews. Those are both on NEW2, along with me versus Phantasmo. Like, that's, that's those three matches right there, you know? That's a, <laughs> I think that's a pretty, yeah. pretty rock-solid card. And, and there's still, you know, there's four or five matches on top of that. So, um, you know, they're already, they're already getting more and more opportunities, and I think they're going to knock it out of the park. And, uh, and I think people are going to be talking about uh, the Northwest is going to, you know, it's going to be kind of a renaissance for uh, certainly for this area. You know, there hasn't been a time ever like this, you know, that I can imagine or I can, I can remember where there's been so much good young talent that's just like waiting to, to be seen and to get out of here. I don't have much to add. I think that uh, that 
Dan put it very, very eloquently on that. Um, I don't know. How are you guys feeling? I, I mean, honestly, I think that's a nice, nice ending point. If you, if you don't, if you ask me, but uh... I agree. I agree. Uh, Quentin, do you want to get into uh, like uh, the difference between uh, Hispanic and Latino, and and the concepts of like black and white uh, uh, Latino people and all? Of it? <laughs> Just real quick before we. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, sorry. About, sorry. Sorry about this, Dan. Um, so I'd like people to be aware that white people, aka Spaniards, in invaded countries and colonized yes. them and raped and killed people and had sex with the indigenous uh, people on those lands and also the slaves in which they brought over from Africa. Uh, if someone is a lighter skin looking person that might have a Latino, a Latino or Latinx last name, they are still white. Just want to make that yeah. clear. Like they Pretty might, they, 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 they might uh, have, have closer proximity to uh to latin roots than uh than some than some people but if you look like sammy guevara uh, i would just like to say that you're white and that right. is a white person <laughs> yeah dan talked about it earlier but the you know uh what was it orange shirt day that's going on um in canada and and the donations that he's making um that is why i think it's important and probably i i definitely fell off on this and i know that my my close friends who are part of the community. Cause I mean, you know, I'm very white passing, but technically I'm, I'm Latino. You know, I, I, I have roots in, in uh, Mexican culture. I, I you know, I'm at least like a quarter Mexican, if not more um, that really like the POC label is kind of uh, unfortunately an issue because of people who mix these things up and we should focus more as much as we can to using the, like the BIPOC term, because it does, uh, essentially center and focus on uh, the colonized and oppressed people. That's the point. Uh, BIPOC, obviously, if you're not familiar, black and indigenous people of color, which is the point is that you're focusing on people who um, have been colonized or enslaved uh, because culturally different countries, different places and different ethnic groups have different histories. So when all you do is map skin color onto oppression uh, because of the American history or, you know, I guess, Western history, we could say like transatlantic or, history. Um, yeah, or, or, or just miss... put like, you know, just, or just attach it to a last name. Like just right. because like a last name might have historically been linked to, uh, Latin, like, you know, Latinx tradition and communities and, uh, and history again, like that goes beyond what someone's last name might be. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So just remember that like <laughs> culture and things are different and, and, People can be whatever, but what you should be focusing on again is like people who have been colonized and oppressed, uh, not necessarily just like, uh, you know, that you think that they're a person of color or whatever. That's like kind of the more important thing. Um, either way, sorry, <laughs> that was not uh, that was not really meant to be the uh, the thing. But Dan, thank you for joining us, Quentin. Uh, or I guess Dan, if there's anything else you want to say, I feel like you you mixed in plugs and I'm all this. Pretty, stuff. I'm pretty good at uh, hitting the plugs as we go, but I'll, I'll just nail them all again. If you don't already follow me on social media, you probably do. If you're listening to this, you know who I am. But uh, at Daniel Macabe, D A N I E L M A K A B E. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, upcoming matches this weekend, I'll be returning to Portland, Oregon for the first time in 20 months, uh, wrestling for DOA against Big Ugly. Uh, Going to be defending my DOA 
Uh, Pacific Northwest pure title. I'm, I'm actually a champion somewhere. I kind of forgot that I, I was a title holder. Um, it's, been, it's been a while. Um, actually, my last booking in North America before the pandemic was uh, defending that belt in Portland back in uh, March of 2020. But um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. NEW2, obviously, if you're in uh, if you're in Vancouver, come to the show. It's going to be killer. I'm wrestling El Phantasmo. It's going to be a real wild time. Um, and uh, that will pop up on on uh, probably on on YouTube for free again. I'm, I'm going to guess. Um, and then going forward. Uh, you know, Kyle Matthews at TWE, Cole Radrick at, at SUP uh, in the uh, later in October. Uh, Alex Shelley, it's finally happening. Me and Alex Shelley are going to wrestle uh, at Without a Cause in November. I'm also wrestling Ethan HD at SOS Wrestling in Seattle in November. Um, there's a few other things that have yet to be announced that are in the works. Um, also, if you don't subscribe already but um, are, are maybe interested or um, you're waiting for something to maybe pique your interest, uh, IWTV. Um, it's a you know a tremendous service that uh, I you know have constantly uh, retain a, a subscription for, and I will I can make this announcement now because by the time this goes up, uh, it will be public knowledge. Uh, but they have a little uh, program on that uh, service called the Life of, which is kind of a it's kind of a uh, you know a, a week or two in the life of uh, some of your favorite independent wrestlers, uh, and it comes out on the first of the month uh, each month. Uh, as we were recording this, uh, October first is tomorrow. The new episode going up is one Mr. Daniel Garcia, which was previewed uh, in last month's episode. And if you watch all the way till the end of that, you will see the following month's uh, episode get previewed, and it is of me one Mr. Danny Macabe. So, uh, so yeah, subscribe to IWTV as of November 1st. You get to uh, see uh, a week in the life of me. So, yeah, that's very cool. And uh, I'm super uh, gracious that those guys gave me that opportunity to do that. So, uh, yeah. And otherwise, um, you know, listen to these guys. Follow follow us all on Twitter. And uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to, uh, to Dan. We went shorter this time. We didn't keep you for four hours. So... <laughs> I bet you, I bet you really, I bet you really, uh, happy about that. But as always, thank you all for listening, and hope you're here next time.